I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. some 18 million people in the developing world who are unable to perform the task of daily living because of easily treatable cataracts that can be addressed with a fast and inexpensive procedure. During a one-week period in these countries, the organization performed nearly 4,500 sight-saving surgeries and provided training to doctors there. We spoke to Matt Oliva, Associate Clinical Professor in the Division of International Ophthalmology at the Casey Eye Institute and Oregon Health Sciences University, and a member of the Himalayan Cataract Project Board who's involved in the clinical and programmatic direction of HCP's outreach in Ethiopia, about the burden of blindness in the developing world, the global health need HCP is addressing, and its model for delivering care and training to cure preventable blindness. We're doing this special edition of the BioReport podcast to help Mangus's fundraising efforts to bring HCP back to Ethiopia and Eritrea in 2020. The campaign is seeking to raise $100,000. We've provided a link to the GoFundMe campaign in the description of this episode, and we encourage all of our listeners to consider making a contribution to support the effort. Matt, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Daniel. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about preventable blindness, the global health need it represents, and how the Himalayan Cataract Project is pursuing an innovative model of bringing care and training to areas of the world where there's an acute need. Let's begin with cataracts, though. What are they? How do they manifest themselves? And how do they progress? So a a cataract is when the lens in the eye becomes cloudy. And a cataract happens with age, um, and everyone gets a cataract. And cataract surgery is the treatment for cataracts. And cataract surgery involves removing the cloudy lens and replacing it with a artificial uh, plastic lens in a, a relatively quick and, and straightforward uh, surgery. What causes cataracts to develop? Are there genetic factors, environmental factors, or is it simply aging? Yeah, it's a combination of of things. Um, Cataracts certainly happen with age, which is the biggest risk factor. Certain medicines, uh, certain hygiene, uh, poor hygiene, poor nutrition, uh, trauma, uh, especially among children in uh, many places in the world is a leading cause of, of cataracts. So, uh, there are a lot of cataracts in, in the world and a lot of people that are completely blind from cataracts. So uh, estimated to be 18 million people in the world blind in both eyes from a, a cataract, which is a, a treatable uh, problem. And I, I do think most people not familiar with the global picture think of this as a, a disease of aging. Are, are how common is it to see children affected? 
very, very common in a place like Ethiopia or Eritrea or Ghana. Uh, you know, many kids are hurting animals or uh, playing around fires with sticks, and so we see a lot of traumatic uh, cataract. And then we also see a lot of bilaterally blind children uh, from cataract as well, whether it's nutritional or uh, genetic. I'm always shocked when I'm working overseas that you know, young children come in with white cataracts in, in both eyes. Are, are there places in the world that are more susceptible to people having this condition? Yeah, so cataract blindness affects the lower income countries in the world disproportionately. It affects underserved populations, rural uh, communities. Uh, and that's a combination of a higher prevalence, but basically it's a uh, a symptom of really not having a system that serves the uh, poor uh, and goes out into remote places and reaches blind people. And you can, you know, really when you think about it, if you're blind and you're living in a rural uh, place, maybe the the care system doesn't extend to that uh, region. If you're at the end of a dirt road and uh, or up a, a donkey trail in the mountains of Nepal, and you're blind, it's very hard for um, those people to reach care. And, and poverty and blindness are uh, kind of go hand in hand. And uh, so most blind people are poor, and, uh, and blindness is, is uh, disproportionately represented um, uh, in people that are impoverished. And what are the consequences of being blind in a, in a developing nation? Are, are there the types of uh, accommodations and, and ways of leading a, a normal lifestyle that we've come to think of in a, in a developed world? Yeah. Bl- blindness in the developing world is really a death sentence, and it is closely linked to your life expectancy. So uh, the, the life expectancy, once you become blind, is about one-third uh, of another age match sighted individual. And it's even worse for, for kids that become, uh, blind. The, you know, odds of them continuing to live is, is really slim. You know, most families having a blind person is a, a burden to the family. Um, kids, you know, may need to stay home from school to care for their blind relative. You know, blind people can't work. There's an economic consequence. Uh, for blindness and, you know, of course, the human suffering aspect of being blind as well. You know, I'm always amazed when I see a blind person how aged they look, even when they may be relatively young. And maybe a 50-year-old that's blind in both eyes that looks like they're 70. And then when their sight is restored, you can see them sort of become younger uh, almost overnight. How did the Himalayan Cataract Project come about? So we started in Nepal 25 years ago, and, and Dr. Sandak Rui to Dr. Ch- Jeff Tabin, uh, a Nepalese ophthalmologist and an American ophthalmologist, um, realized that, that Nepal had one of the highest rates of blindness in the world. There was only about a 1,000 cataract surgeries being done in Nepal. And we called it the Himalayan Cataract Project because we thought that it would take a lifetime to really just address the cataract problem in Nepal. And, and Dr. Rui, Dr. Tabin, and our team started out by going into the remote areas, finding the blind people, and then developing uh, a very uh, simple, straightforward, high-quality 
technique that at that time cost about $25 per patient uh, to give them uh, a great cataract surgery in a remote uh, place. And it was you know, relatively controversial at the time going into remote places doing cataract surgery in schools and, and rural uh, clinics. Uh, but uh, very quickly, um, we saw that the quality did not need to be compromised, even if the location of the surgery was a rural uh, place. And then starting with cataract, we started training, you know, ancillary personnel, doctors, nurses, ophthalmic assistants, and built a series of uh, clinics and training centers in Nepal. And if we fast forward in 25 years, we went from 1,000 surgeries a year in Nepal to over 300,000 surgeries per day uh, per year in Nepal. And Nepal actually now has the, the lowest rates of, of blindness in uh, Southeast Asia. Well, the, there is this three-pronged approach of not just doing the surgeries, but training and education. How has that helped transform the challenge in these countries to getting care for people who are facing preventable blindness? Yeah, we don't favor kind of a, a missionary model where you're going over and just doing the, the surgery and, and coming back because that's not s sustainable. And so we have a, a three-pronged approach where we look at providing the direct care, so the you know highest quality care to the maximum number of people at the lowest cost, but also focusing on training uh, at all levels, not just the doctor, you know, learning to do good good surgery, but having the support team around them, the nurses and the ophthalmic uh, support uh, team is is probably more critical than the the doctor. So we've developed training programs in in Nepal um, that um, have worked for Nepal, but really have come to uh, train you know many people from all over the world. And then the final thing is infrastructure. Um, uh, in which you, you know, give people the tools that they need and, and tools that are appropriate for their setting. So not, you know, $60,000 machines that break down, but, um, relatively, you know, straightforward, durable, uh, equipment and a steady, uh, stream of supplies. So, uh, people are empowered to be able to treat the problem in their, in their home. Uh, situation. And then the final thing is advocacy. I think, um, you know, advocating on a national, international level for eye resources. You know, the year is 2020 is upon us, and we were hoping that uh, blindness would uh, be eradicated uh, by uh, 2020. And yet what we, we find that there's uh, about 37 million people in the world that are needlessly blind and over 250 million people in the world in the latest WHO statistics that are visually impaired. So uh, a long ways to go. My awareness of the organization grew out of a, a recent effort you made in Ethiopia and Eritrea. Uh, a friend who is from Eritrea participated with HCP on the recent trip. I know you spend a lot of time with the organization focused on that part of the world. How acute is the need there in those countries? So Ethiopia is, I'm the uh, director of our medical uh, programs in Ethiopia, and Eritrea used to be part of Ethiopia. It's a, a separate country now, uh, as you know, and the, the countries have um, recently reconciled, and the prime minister of Ethiopia received the Nobel uh, Peace Prize uh, recently. But 
Ethiopia has one of the highest rates of blindness in the world. We we call Africa really the continent of blindness because of the um, gravity of the uh, situation. Ethiopia has 100 million people. 1.6% of the population is blind, so 1.6 million people. And 800,000, half of them, is from treatable cataracts. So um, it's really hard to, uh, to imagine, but if you, you know, 800,000 people, that's, you know, many states here in the United States have that population uh, completely blind that could be fixed by a, a surgery that costs under $100, $100 to provide and takes, uh, you know, five minutes uh, to, to do in, in many uh, situations. So um, it's staggering numbers. We started working in Ethiopia 12 years ago and really trying to take what worked in Nepal with developing a sustainable system and apply it in um, the sub-Saharan African uh, context. And we picked Ethiopia because it has a high rate of blindness and, and Eritrea uh, does as well. I, I think you were there for about a week. What were you able to accomplish during that time? So I was there for, for three weeks and I went to three different places with our, our team and the first week we did 1800 surgeries in a hospital in Bahardar, uh, Ethiopia, and then we went 300 kilometers west and did another 1500 surgeries. And then we went to Eritrea for the uh, first time and working with an international team of Nepalese doctors, Ethiopian doctors, American doctors, and uh, Eritrean doctors. We did another uh, 1600 surgeries. So uh, basically 4500 surgeries in a, a three week uh, time period. And, and are, are people transformed from being sightless to having their sight restored through that procedure? Yeah, the, so we usually do about 300 surgeries a day. So it's kind of an assembly line uh, situation, uh, but the patients are carefully screened. Uh, they're uh, brought to a central location. They get careful measurements uh, of their eye. Uh, and then we have uh, usually four to five doctors that all day long are assisted by nurses uh, doing surgery after uh, surgery. And the next day we have up to 300 to 400 patients that have uh, patches on their eyes. Some had surgery in one eye, some had surgery in both eyes. And my favorite part and everyone's favorite part is taking off the bandages the next day and watching people's reactions to being able to see again. And it's a, a sort of a varied reaction for some people. It's a, um, a huge emotional uh, out, uh, outburst uh, from uh, uh, dancing and um, singing and smiling. And for other people, it's almost shock and disbelief to think that their sight had been restored, but these are profoundly visually impaired people that immediately have sight uh, again. So you can imagine it's an emotional uh, moment each each morning. We spend a, a lot of time on this podcast talking about innovation, and I think people often think of innovation in terms of what you do rather than how you do it. we're in a time right now where we have gene therapies for inherited blindness, and it's striking to know that you are able to do sight-restoring surgeries for about $100. 
How efficient is HCP's approach? Yeah, extremely uh, efficient. And, and I think innovation is, you know, when we tend to think of, of innovation, we tend to think of, you know, a technological solution, uh, I think. And, you know, there is some technolo- technology innovation in what the way we do our surgeries to, we don't use sutures, we can do them very fast, we do very careful measurements to give them their best um, uncorrected acuity so people don't need glasses. But we don't need, you know, high-tech, uh, uh, you know, apps on our phones or some sort of, you know, special machine to take out the, the cataracts that may be more expensive. Really, our innovation is in having a robust system using local uh, people that are trained well uh, and then having a system that can find people, give them good care, and and follow um, up. And that's why we can, if we do high volumes of surgery, we can drive the cost down. And, you know, in the, a place like the United States, you cataract surgery is the most common surgery in the United States. And people get their cataracts out when they have maybe a little trouble night driving or, you know, trouble seeing the golf ball or, uh, you know, really at a, at a very early uh, stage. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, in the, in the rest of the world, um, especially places like Ethiopia um, in the past, Nepal, places like India, um, Ghana, where we work, um, many of the, the, the services um, that are available are concentrated in the cities and are used by the more wealthy um, patients that come in at the same time when they have sort of moderate visual impairment. So you have this group of people millions of people that are sort of cocooned away in rural areas where they don't have services. And so part of the innovation is having a a service that serves the poor, uh, that's sustainable, but will go out and find these people uh, that are living in darkness. I had mentioned my friend who traveled with HCP and, and worked with you in Ethiopia and Eritrea, where he's from. He's launched a GoFundMe campaign to raise $100,000 to fund two HCP trips to Ethiopia and Eritrea in 2020. We'll provide a link in the description of this podcast for anyone wishing to contribute. But what's the case to make? Well, this is a public health problem that we can solve. So in a, in a world where sometimes we feel, uh, you know, how do we help, you know, with big social problems, you know, we have climate change, we have, um, you know, economic uh, inequalities, and sometimes it just feels overwhelming. Uh, but blindness is a problem that I think everyone can get, get on board that uh, you can help someone see, and what a gift to give to uh, that person, their family, the economics of a, a country. They show, the studies show that um, people's life expectancy improves when their sight uh, is restored, that the economic benefit to a community when, when blind people get their sight back is is about $4 of economic effect for every dollar invested in, in eye care. So um, so we don't need to wait till a technological breakthrough comes through. We've got systems that have been shown to work uh, around the world that have been proven in Asia, and we just need the willpower to... Um, uh, to basically bring these to fruition to scale up. And, and we have about 20 different partners in 
Ethiopia right now. Um, we're working with the government uh, in Eritrea and other nonprofits uh, as well. But um, my hope is is that in 10 years that no one needs to be sitting in darkness uh, with a, a cataract that could be uh, fixed. And it really is just a matter of, of resources and, and willpower for this particular problem. Matt Oliva, Associate Clinical Professor in the Division of International Ophthalmology at the KCI Institute and Oregon Health Sciences University, and a member of the Himalayan Cataract Project Board and involved in the clinical and programmatic direction of HCP's outreach in Ethiopia. Matt, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.